Welcome to the Servants Faced Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Call to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Well, welcome. This is Elizabeth, and it is good to be back with you. I have been on a bit of a hiatus. Initially, I took this uh, break and to spend time working on the book on the nature and meaning of Christian marriage, and I am very grateful to Douglas Caldwell for recording the podcast or re- the articulated meditations so that I could have some time off. As it turned out, I did not make much progress on the book. Um, as many of you know, we lost the chair of the board, my longtime mentor, spiritual father and friend, Billy Abraham. And so um, providentially, it was good to have that time set aside. I did not use it to um, write a book, but I did use it to for a time of re- reprieve, a, a grateful time for... Um, to, to retreat and to mourn, to grieve the loss of someone so dear to me and so significant in my own life and my, my intellectual and spiritual formation. I'm grateful for him. Anyway, but anyway, so um, I, we're going to pick back up today and we're going to keep walking forward. I give you thanks for um, being here with me, as I said. Let's open with a word of prayer today. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The last time that I saw Billy, not the last time I spoke to him, but the last time I saw him, I spent time with him. He and I were going together to a memorial service for um, a mutual friend's wife. And so as we were driving, we were talking about all sorts of different things. And he told me then that he was thinking about writing a book on politics. And, you know, there are times in life when you look back and think, I wish I had shut my mouth and listened instead of being busy talking. And that is one of those occasions. I think the political scene is very unusual today and I was I, I would love to hear what he had to say about it um, he he was thinking about writing this book and he, he's written a book on terrorism before and uh, that book is called shaking hands with the devil uh, the intersection of terrorism and theology and I, I the question for me today when we live in our society as we live in the society that we live in this this generation this nation this time and place 
you know, Jesus said, render unto, unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? But this is a democracy, and so we have a vote, and, and for whatever minuscule portion um, of our life, or minuscule portion uh, our vote is, um, excuse me, um, how do we apply that, and, and how involved are we supposed to be, and to what extent should we engage the political process? And clearly, there is some extent in which we should, right? But to what extent? And I don't really have the answer to that. I wish I had been quiet and I had listened to what he had to say. What is the Christian obligation in our society today, for society today, for the nation today? I don't think there's any doubt that we can say that the, the, the political state of our nation has degenerated in amazing ways, completely completely beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. But uh, that shouldn't be a surprise for us, I guess. Um, we've been heading in this direction for some time, but you just never expected to kind of reach the point that it's reached. The, the secularization of the United States began easily uh, six decades, it was decades ago, and it probably came maybe even a century ago, even further back than that. I don't know. There's a lot of philosophy in that. There's a lot of changes in the religion, but I'm not here to chart the course of history at the moment. Um, what I want to look at is say that beginning in the 60s, there was a blatant push for secularization in the society itself and the removal of all the... Um, have any reference to the divine, any reference of God. We're not going to have any of that sort of religious stuff. The other day, um, I think it's associated probably with the, with the boomers. Uh, the World War II generation came back and produced the boomers. So um, that was a, a very materialistic time, a very time, a time of, you know, uh, pushing against all authority and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, the other day, um, I was listening to Victor Davis Hanson, and I tell you, I gotta tell you, I really like Victor Davis Hanson. I have a major brain crush on him. I think he is a very smart man. He is just so knowledgeable, and and I really enjoy history. And he has forgotten more history than I know. So anyway, um, he was talking about middle class values, and he was talking about the, that in reference to the freedom to steal in um, California. In California currently, the the general attitude is that you are free to take anything under. It's not even general attitude. What am I saying? It is the law or the, that they've passed or whatever in the big cities. I don't know. But you can go into any place and steal anything for under $1,000, and they're not going to call the police, and you're not going to be prosecuted. There is no positive end to that. I mean, it, it encouraging people to steal. But the logic that's being used is that... Um, white people made those laws, and white people don't don't need to steal stuff because they're oppressors, right? And so um, we made laws that would keep the oppressed from having the things that we have. And so, as, as Victor Hansen, he lives in California, so he's he's had a belly full of that. But anyway, as he's talking about it, um, there that people can walk into stores and, and steal stuff. Um, he said that these are middle class values and that the nation is actively seeking to to divest itself of all middle class values. So I thought about that as just one set of values versus another set of values. So whoever's in charge or whoever has the power gets to choose the values. But then it dawned on me, I was like, what am I saying? I mean, you know, like. Middle class values, those are not middle class values. Those are biblical values. They came straight out of the Bible. Thou shalt not steal, right? And we have forgotten. I mean, I know that he knows this. I am certain that he knows the that that's where it came from. But he can't say that because he's in academia. He is a university professor, and you don't talk about Jesus in a university. You don't talk about any transcendent God in a university, 
right? I remember when Obama came out forth and he said um, uh, that this is not a Christian nation. Well, I mean, certainly it could be argued that given the way that we live, this is not a very Christian nation. I wouldn't disagree with that. But the but to say that we're not a Christian nation is a complete denial of everything the nation is founded on, right? I mean, uh, it's definitely Christian in its origin. It's got the Judeo-Christian values and morality. It's got the Protestant work ethic, and that's all of these things were factors in, in building the United States. Today, without any reference to the transcendent, especially not to Jesus Christ, that's for sure, we are seeing the fruit of a nation um, untethered from any external truth. In the absence of any external authority or truth, right? It must be external truth, not authority. Um, and postmodern thought is certainly um, without any external authority. It's whatever you... Postmodern thought is unintelligible, and I'm not sure it qualifies as, as reason. I think it, you know, it just kind of bumps up against it. But anyway... In the absence of any external truth, there is no check for human nature. Human nature will have moral failures. Wherever there's human beings, there will be moral failure. In the absence of truth, there is no corrective to moral failure. And that is where we find ourselves. Truth is the corrective for all moral failure. But to get rid of the truth is to grant you the freedom to do anything you dead gum will please. As a result, with no check on human nature, there's no order to human life. And so you can defund the police, and a crime is no longer a criminal. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Uh, I think it's fascinating in our society that that biological race is everything. It has everything to do, but biological gender is not accurate, and it is nothing. <laughs> how, how does that even make any sense? Uh, we are a very scientific people without any regard at all for facts. Right? We encourage unbridled lust and licentiousness, and we, we say that's normal. These are our most basic, this is who we are. Well, that's the most basic form of existence. Everybody, I mean, you know, every, every species copulates. It's not like it's a, great, it's a grand accomplishment. But we are going to have all these, this just encourage unbridled lust and, and just whatever sort of licentiousness you want it, you want. And we have granted the government unprecedented authority in our lives. You know, because history has shown that governments are so benevolent, right? And they are so selfless. We're going to just let them lock us down. We're going to, they we're going to let them change our laws. We're going to let them just at random um, determine what we can and cannot do, what we can and cannot, where we can and cannot go. It doesn't matter what the laws are. We'll just let the government run all over everything. And we're going to let the government cultivate, it, cultivate hatred, where there was none. There wasn't any hatred at, at, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago. I got to tell you, living around me, there's not any hatred. And the longer I stay in this neighborhood, the more African-American the neighborhood becomes. And I don't even find that to be a problem because everybody I know is nice. But I don't know what's wrong with everybody else in the world, but the people I live with are nice. Um, there's this actively, uh, we're actively fomenting division and separating off people and now, do you really want to get on a plane with somebody who doesn't know how to fly? Do you want the person who is picked based on their color versus their ability? Uh, you know what is going to happen in our universities? We're going to do. Uh, we're going to let. Um, we're going to let. We want to make sure that we have reparative people in universities, and so we're going to have disproportionate. We're going to require disproportionate levels of um, minorities in the universities. 
and we are going to exclude uh, those. It's not, it's not going to be based on merit or based on qualifications because you know who gets in the most if it's based on qualifications. You know who that is. That's the Asians, not the whites. It's the Asians, just for the record. But anyway, you know, um, I confess oftentimes after reading the news or watching <laughs> reports or seeing any kind of docu docu documentary or anything like that, I often wonder... Do people really believe that we've been involved, evolving all this time to reach this point of like uh, social interaction or um, human maturation? <laughs> we are really kind of um, <laughs> this is this is the height of evolution. We've we've evolved to this point. Doesn't that kind of terrify you? It damn terrifies me. Anyway, we. There's all this discussion about American history, and a lot of it is done by the, Amer I, you know, let's all hate America people or whatever, uh, the hate America voices, um, and and complain about our, <laughs> anyway, I can't help but wonder how our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren are going to view us. You know, what are they going to think of us? In 100 years, we're so worried about what happened 150 years ago. What are they going to think of us 150 years from now? Wow, y'all took a great civilization and just destroyed it because you didn't bother to learn history. I hate that there is slavery in American, in American history. I think it's an awful thing. But there is slavery in every nation's history. There's slavery today. And thanks be to God that America has a constitution that says eventually... No matter what anybody thinks, that all people are created equal. All men are created equal. Let's be real about what it says. All men are created equal. And therefore, whatever race you are, you have an opportunity in America. Everybody else knows that. And uh, why we'd want to destroy that is beyond me. But um, that, that's the hate America voices. And I think that our grandchildren and great-grandchildren go, wow, they killed millions of babies every day. And they, they created fights and arguments over things that, that, that didn't exist. We're entering into the season, we're not entering into, we're in the middle of the season of Advent right now. And it's a time of preparation, not just to celebrate the birth of the Christ child, but it's a preparation for Christ's return. And um, I have no idea when that'll be. I, you know, I don't know. And um, I, don't, I don't think we're supposed to speculate on that. But I think that we need to be engaged in active waiting for Christ, that we need to be preparing for Christ to come, minimally in our own lives, but, but in general. Because as our nation continues to spiral downward, I, I hear a lot of concerns and worries about all that, but, um, and, and, and it's cause for concern. We can go, wow, we're just like giving up every, every freedom, every liberty, everything we've ever fought for. We're just going to hand that over to people and go, here, destroy this. Um, here's a perfectly good thing. Let's destroy it. And uh, from human life all the way down, we're just going to destroy it. Okay, as the nation continues to spiral downward, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt that now is the time for Christians to coalesce and to spiral upward. We need to reach upward. I mean, I'm not afraid of today. I'm not afraid of what's happening around us. You know, I think today is a time of incredible opportunity for Christians. You know, if we're in obedience to Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, then the church can change the trajectory of our society. And in more ways than we can even begin to imagine, we can do that. You know, we have so much opportunity in front of us. We have so many, we have, there, there, is, there is so much good that could be done. I mean, you know, whenever there is chaos, 
right? There is an opening, a spot for the Holy Spirit to work. And we are certainly in the middle of chaos. I don't think there's any doubt about that at all. And, you know, in the middle of chaos is when we have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work um, because... Because we are, because we're out of control. Because nobody, there's when everything is flowing smoothly and working, we don't there, there's we don't make space for God to be in the in our midst. And I think that now is a great time. I think the fields are ripe for harvest because people are going to make themselves miserable living like this. I just think they will. And we need to be. We need to, Advent needs to be a time of preparation for that. And I want us, I want us to think that through. Advent needs to be a time to prepare ourselves to reclaim the gospel fully, so that we can live that fully in our lives. So if we are going through this season of Advent, we are preparing our hearts and our minds for Jesus Christ, for His birth. Whether we're going to celebrate His birth, that's really where we emphasize. But um, if we're if we were thinking about His return, as we're going through this this Advent period, thinking about the return of Christ. Uh, what is it? Your, what is your expectation? What is it you're looking for? I think for now it would be enough for us to um, go through Advent and prepare to live as Christians in this generation, the way we're, where we are now in this generation. Because here's the thing, right? If we're ready to respond to the call of Christ and we are ready to follow wherever He leads us, then I truly believe that God would do an amazing work here among us. I mean, you know, I think we could we we could see him transform the direction of our nation and the, this this entire generation if the Christians would be really and truly Christian, if the church would really and truly be Christ's church, his body, following his lead. And the reason I believe that is because when we are left to our own devices, right, and we get to make all, make all of our own choices, when we believe lives, lies, excuse me, ultimately. We'll make our own. We'll make ourselves miserable. That's what we do. We make bad choices. We make ourselves miserable. Okay. Some years ago, I saw the opera Faust. And I don't know if y'all have seen that, but it was it was a couple of decades ago, many years ago. But um, it was about a man who wanted a woman, and he made a, a, a deal with the devil so he could get her. Faust was the man who wanted the woman, and Mephistopheles Mephistopheles was the devil. Right. And, uh, you know, it just goes downhill from the time he decides he wants the woman. It just goes downhill after he makes the deal with the devil because the deals with the devil never end well, ever. Right. So in one scene, they're uh, they're having this grand old time and, and Mephistopheles is trying to convince um, Faust of how great it is to to be his follower or whatever. And at first, as I'm watching the scene, it's the opera, right? And they're all singing stuff. They come out. And at first, I didn't recognize really what I was seeing, okay? And I got to tell you, this is a clean podcast, so I had to be careful how I was going to word this. But the men in the chorus line, right, all the men had came out and they were strapped in these enormous... This is a clean podcast, family, whatever, and enormous male parts. How's that? All right. And um, then the whole cast there is dressed in, as, to give the illusion, right, as they're all singing and dancing and stuff like that, that they are undressed, that they are unclothed, right, in the middle of this. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I was sitting next to my aunt going, you know, really, this is the moment I want to share with you, just for the record. But, you know, there was, there was the... On display as well in the scene was drunkenness and partying, and there's all this vulgarity. There was indiscriminate fornication. Family, family uh, podcast, clean again, fornication. All right, there was loud vulgarity, raucous, you know, carrying on everywhere. There's some shoving and fighting occurring here. And there. But as they walked around, Mephistopheles is telling Faust, you, don't you see how much fun it is? There are no restrictions here. You can do anything you want. There is no penalty at all. This is great. You can, you can have anything. 
Well, I got to tell you, that is exactly how I see American society today. It, there's nothing amusing about it. It is tragic beyond words. But I see American society very much like that. You can do whatever you want. There are no penalties. There are no restrictions. And I think as Christians, we need to know that is a deal with the devil right there. Where It's a deal with the devil. Human beings, however, are made in the image of God, and belonging to the devil wears out fast. All right. So that's what I want us to see. I want us to see that as Christians, as the church, we need to be. We need to wake up to what is woke, because that's the big word today in society. We're all woke, right? I think it's a very dangerous ideology. I think it's a deal with the devil. It has great appeal to young people for sure, right? There are no rules. We're free to do whatever we want, right? We we and so Christians can offer no compromise with that at all none no accommodation of that particular idea evil only needs a tiny foothold to get in and to destroy it's it's really pretty remarkable and i'm not i I don't believe in worrying about a demon under every rock that's not who i am at all but anyway we need to prepare we need to be prepared to offer christ's love christ's mercy christ's salvation to anyone who wakes up and realizes that i don't like this life i hate the person i've become right Frankly, I think if we were in church today, in a lot of churches today, I don't know if this is the case, but in a lot of churches today, um, I think that um, people are more likely to be sent to a counselor than they are to be offered salvation, right? Um, are you miserable? Hang on just a second. I have a list of counselors here that I can send you right here. I can find one that will suit you, and we'll get it all worked out for you. You know, a counselor may or may not help in any given circumstance, but this much I do know, I do know that Jesus Christ is the truth that sets us free, and and there is no being set free from all the failure and heartache and sin and wounds and disappointments that we have, or those that are inflicted upon us. There is no, there's no way to be free of those. Eventually, you're going to end up at the feet of Jesus. He alone is the one who can set us free, and really, you're not even going to end up at his feet. You're going to end up at the foot of the cross, because that is the cost of our sin. That's the cost of freedom for us. The cross of Christ. We as Christians need to grab hold of Jesus Christ again. You know, we're in the Advent season, and so I want us to prepare to grab hold of Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd. If we're going to be sheep, and we are going to be sheep, I mean, I hear people talk about sheeple, and they follow all these, you know, whatever. It's a a way to condescend toward, um, conservatives do that to progressives. They condescend toward and say, oh, they're just sheeple. Well, I want you to know we're all sheep. Jesus didn't differentiate. You're a bunch of sheep is what he called us. You know, and if we're going to be sheep, let us follow the good shepherd, right? No, not the one that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. We don't want that one, right? And right now, woke and cancel culture is all about the process of stealing and killing and destroying lives, even as they say they empower them. Oh, we're empowering you. No, actually, we're empowering us to make money and offer you, and we don't care what happens to you. If you don't believe that, check the murder rate in Chicago right now. Um, in the absence of Christian belief, right, the rise, we will, there is a rising tide of Marxism in our culture. And it's rising pretty unchecked. Progressivism always pushes leftward. It always pushes to the left. And we need to remember that because you'll hear an idea and we think, oh, that's a pretty good idea. That sounds nice. That sounds nice. That sounds, you know, um, like something that we that, that we want to embrace. Justice, for example, is a good thing. We, the Bible talks a lot about justice. And uh, we talk about, um, when I say, uh, um, 
taking care of the poor. There are all sorts of different things that we we um, talk about that Scripture talks about. But progressivism, when they whenever they use a word that's biblical, it is ne- it never has a biblical meaning because progressivism moves toward the left always. I watched a video recently of a young man who talked about. God love him. He was at a major university. He was in a university environment, and um, he was praising Stalin as the greatest leader ever. Doesn't that tell you that he knows nothing at all about communism? Stalin was the greatest leader ever. You have to know that he, if he has been taught that that is the way to go and the best way to live, then soon enough he will be desperate to be saved from the thief that is stealing and destroying life all around him. And that is the woke culture. I mean, it's woke to Marxism. It's woke to hatred. It's woke to silencing voices. We talk about equity, but equity is, equity is a bland word that means nothing. Nothing except for we're going to take from other people to try to make ourselves rich. Do you know how many people run communist China? 7% of the people, I believe, are members of the party. And 93% are ruled by that 7%. Do you really think that Marxism would look different in the United States? And I think that and unquestionably, if you, if you are not aware of this, you need to wake up and pay attention because that is exactly what is going on in our universities. Young men, college educated, standing there talking about Stalin being the greatest leader ever, killed tens of millions of people. What an embarrassment for him, the young man, that he thinks Stalin is great. Where are we, the Christians, when they're silencing voices? Where are we, the Christians, when they are cultivating hatred at our schools, our children's school? Are we ready to face that inside the church? And most of us are not. It's easy to stay safe and secure where we are and not try to face this. But let me tell you something. This is why Jesus Christ came in the world, is to save it. Because we are very self-destructive. We will ultimately... Um, uh, collapse. We will ultimately destroy everything around us without his help, without his salvation, without his life, right? And you don't have to understand and know a whole lot about Joseph Stalin. What matters is what you know about Jesus Christ. What matters is how well you know him personally. Are we, are we as Christians, are we going to be prepared to live the truth of Jesus Christ and never compromise with all the promises of the devil? Because you have to be able to recognize the promises of the devil. Oh, we can all, have, we can all share everything. It'll all be fine. We'll just tax the rich, the rich don't pay enough money, really? I mean, if you took all the money from it, never mind, I'm not going to get into economics right now. That is a way of trying to manipulate people into hating another class of people. This is very classist. It's not nearly as racist as we think it is. It's very classist. I think it's that we are going to prepare for God to be present in our lives, in our church. We're going to prepare for God to be at work in and through us. There are some simple things that we need to do. Now, I want you to be aware I said simple, and simple is not simplistic, all right? There are some simple things that we need to do, but they're not some simplistic answer that I'm fixing to offer you. The single most important thing we can do is take God seriously. You know, we need to quit dilly-dallying with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. That is a weak Christianity that is unprepared to deal with the forces of evil in our society today. And evil is running rampant right now. We need to uh, walk out of what is comfortable, and we need to walk toward what is true. Because you never get that Jesus Christ is the truth. And it's our responsibility to figure out what is true and what is not. It is our responsibility to figure out who is trustworthy in our world and who is not. And it is our responsibility, above all else, to proclaim Jesus Christ as the truth. 
and be unwavering in our certainty there. The second thing I think that we need to do um, is in the area the, where we need to prepare is we need we take seriously the reality of evil, right? And it, it's real and it's moving across our land. I'm talking about it right now, like everybody believes in that. And most of us are like, oh, I don't really know about evil. I don't know what I think about that. It has always been the case that evil is present and it's moving around, but it's more confident because the church is not held tightly to the truth. It has compromised itself, you know. But And once you compromise with truth, with evil, then the truth ends up being perverted with lies watered down and, and distorted or whatever. And me, evil is then free to move around unrestricted. And most Christians prefer to ignore the reality of evil. That is a serious mistake on our parts. Okay, and I and again, I'm not I'm not advocating for let's all worry about you know every you know a little demon every time we turn around around every corner jumping up behind every bush. But we need to know what we're up against because if you don't know what you're up against, you don't even know what you're you're going to show up with a with a, a a nice little meal for somebody who wants to eat you. I mean, you need to we need to recognize that we can't go along with our simple and easy and simplistic Christianity and it all feel good and everybody be happy and not worry about the 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 devil that's ready to destroy us. Christians need to walk in the power and truth that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And we need to walk in that Christ, walk in that truth, and walk in that certainty and power. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The third thing we need to recognize is that darkness hates the light. You know, if you want to be a person of the light, if you want to welcome the light and life of Christ into your life, there will be others who hate you. And that has not been the case in the past, because why? In the past, this was a Christian nation, but it's not true any longer. It is not a Christian nation now, right? And, and I, you know, I, can, I know families that are divided, and, and the truth of the matter is, Jesus told us that that was going to happen. He, didn't, he did not come to bring peace, but he came to bring division, you know. And the sword that he brings is the sword of truth. If you tell the truth and people want to live a lie, then there are going to be people who don't like you. There are going to be people who hate you and want to shut you up. That's the cancel culture again. And as long as we are sending our children and our grandchildren into godless institutions, how can we expect them to come out and respect Christianity? I mean, it's a mockery. You can't even talk seriously about Christianity in, in many of our, our finest universities today. Our, our children and our grandchildren are going to come out indoctrinated into ideas that oppose Christianity. How do you think we got where we are? I mean, just accidentally? I mean, we've allowed a people who don't work to fill our ideas, with, fill our heads with ideas that don't work? You know, I mean, we've been indoctrinated into failure. Look, it's happening everywhere because Marxism has never once worked. Uh, communism has always failed. Totalitarianism is never a good idea, okay? But we'll give it a whirl here because we are not paying attention. And people who don't have to live in the real world can fill our children and our grandchildren's heads with falsehoods, ideas that don't work either in the real world. And finally, above all else, it's past time for us to realize that the world and all that is in it belong to God. He created it, and he knows what is best for all of us. You know, um, ultimately, the only rightly lived life, the only well-lived, meaningful life is a Christian life. And that is a life of love of God and neighbor, God and your neighbor. It's a life of sacrificial service and humility and concern for all people. And uh, and, and, and Christians need not to worry about the opinion of any person who believes they know better than God. 
Because that's not true. You don't know better than God, ever. Any person who comes to you and thinks that they know better than God is someone that you don't need to listen to. And I don't care if what, what level or what position they hold in society. In the end, you, Christian, are answerable to God. And he it's his world, and he knows the truth, and he knows what's right, and you are safer being confused with him than you are understanding and following lies being told in our world. That's an important thing for us to remember at all the time. Never worry about the opinion of any person who does not believe in God. Nobody knows better than God. No matter what you are, or no matter what you see, or whether maybe because of what maybe because of what you see, I think now is the Christian moment. I mean, we can be agents of salvation. We can be vessels of the Holy Spirit. We can speak truth and hope and life. And most of all, we can be bringing Jesus Christ to our world. And we can become a part of his solution and his salvation, not part of the world's problem. I mean, the world's got plenty of a problem without us adding to it. Advent is a time of waiting. It is a time of preparing. And we need to prepare in hope and in certainty and in insurance. We need to have faith in the things that are not seen. Because Christ is already the victor. He's the victor over sin and death. we got nothing to be afraid of. And that's the reality of Christian life. Not what governments do. Not what universities teach. Not what show is on TV. Not what some, some pseudo-doctor tells you he thinks he can accomplish or she or it thinks it can accomplish. The truth of the matter is that, you know, our, our, our God has already, has already won this battle, won this war. So you and I need to fight the battle that we've been placed in the middle of. Heads up. I think we need to pay attention. Everybody, look up. The king is coming. That's the whole point of Advent. The king is coming. And it's not just any king. It is the king of all kings. We need to raise our expectations of God. He is the Lord of all. He has already defeated all evil. And all that is left to you and to me is to make a decision. We we either are going to open ourselves to our Father's expectations or we're not. We're going to com- are we going to compromise with the culture? Are we going to pretend that everything is fine? Are we going to, going to go hide and hope that Jesus comes back soon? That would be, you know, maybe Jesus will just come back and fix it all. Or maybe he just called us to be his faithful church now, to be obedient now, and to live in the power of his victory in the resurrection and the cross. Because you've you got to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. You know, one of the, I, I wouldn't mind if Jesus came back tomorrow. I'd be good with that or whatever. I mean, how many messes do we need to make of this world, technically speaking, really? But anyway, once uh, discussing current, event, current events and things going on, Billy Abraham said, well, you know, I think it's time for Jesus to come on back and wreck this sucker up. And I thought, wow, there you go, man. It's time for Jesus to come on back and let's wrap this sucker up. I can see that. There's merit to that. But that's up to the Father. He alone knows the course forward, and I rather think that is my point. What are you worried about? Of what are you afraid? Do not waste your time on it. You are to dwell safely and to dwell securely in the arms of your Father. And let all these important events in our world today fade before the light and the life of Jesus Christ for whom we wait. When we rest in Him, He will renew us and he'll give us all the strength we need for the chaos of our world today so that we can walk right through it in power, offering life. Let us close with prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask that you, O God, to call your people, to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. 
Send your spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Y'all be blessed now. You hear? You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.